recording. Yay! Yay! Happy New Year! Happy freaking New Year! 2023! Yes, baby! So... New pod for this? No, yeah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, it's still us! Just kidding! <laughs> um, hey! Hi! Hi! for being here thank you welcome back yeah. if you're new here welcome where the fuck you been yeah <laughs> hey new year's resolution listen to the new podcast and it's ours hey yeah you did it you did it you're, you're like one for one <laughs> good job you're already winning in the new year <laughs> fuck your gym membership if you <laughs> just Tim listen who? to the podcast <laughs> This is free, and you can go running with us. So exactly. Are we running? No. No. But are you? Yeah. And you're learning how to defend yourself. Exactly. Kick them in the groin. Exactly. <laughs> you're listening to Stranger Danger. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> um, that's a bit of a weird intro, but we're just, uh, we're in good spirits. We Again, if you've been here, we record these for the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're saying Happy New Year and we're still mid-December. We're not even going to front. It's, no. <laughs> we're, we're in Christmas sweaters right we now. We are. <laughs> so, but, you know, we still, we know kind of when these are going to go out and we'll tell you again, but Happy New Year. Um, hope you had a safe New Year and here we are, ready for a new case to discuss. Happy. The first one. The very first one of 2023. Bringing it in. Inaugural 2023 episode. (laughs) And this one is, it's the case of Melinda Pleskovich. I don't know if you've heard this name. I have not. I have confessed before that, you know, part of how I research cases, at least when I'm out and about and shopping and you know, grocery shopping and everything. I'll listen to other podcasts or I'll listen to YouTube videos on mm-hmm. it. Um, unless I'm sitting down, that's when I'm reading stuff, right? And looking up articles and whatnot. Right. But for the most part, I'm listening to other podcasts too to see what they found out. For this case of Melinda Pleskovich, there is like three episodes out there. Ooh. And mean? then number four is in Portuguese and <laughs> number five is like in German. So three <laughs> is what I could listen to. And it, it blew my mind that it didn't get more attention. And I mean, I, sometimes it happens with cases that they're not, you know, these national cases because yeah. they're quickly solved or, you know, what have you. Right. So or they just stay in their bubble from their area. So the, the case of Melinda Pleskovich, this takes uh, place in Strongsville, Ohio. Okay. Ohio is one of those places that to me, I'm like, um, if you don't know this about me, I if, for college, it could have been Oregon or it could have been Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah. So I had a full ride to Oberlin for track. Well, for field. I don't do track part. <laughs> <laughs> for the field part of track and field. So f- for me, it's like Oregon or Ohio. Those could have been where my life Oh, that's could funny. I had no idea. So Ohio will always have this little spot in my heart yeah. that I'm like, I could have been there. So Strongsville, Ohio. And this all takes place in 2015. So before I get to the meat on the bones on this, there is a couple there, Bruce and Melinda. They've been married for a very long time. Melinda, the case centers around her, of course. And she is... A gem in her community. Mm-hmm. She is that person, that quintessential light up the room type of person, right? So you kind of know where I'm going with this. Yeah. But what um, one of the things that sets her aside a little bit more than the average person is that she was a teacher in her community. She taught sixth grade for 27 years. Oh, bless that woman's soul. That is such a tough age. Such a tough age. I hated sixth grade. <laughs> So she, you have to be a special kind of person to teach that age. Yeah, for 20 years. And so throughout this time, lifetime for some that she was teaching, she made lifelong connections with these kids. Yeah. And then on top of her being a devoted teacher and mother to three kids, 
she also coached soccer teams. Okay. So both you and I know this, that there's, if you're ever, if you're in athletics or any kind of clubs or groups, there's sometimes a coach that will stick with you. And I'm getting goosebumps Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. For sure. That you build a connection with. They're kind of like a second or third parent to you. I have that person in my life. It's my soccer coach too. And it's just like, even now as an adult, you know, we're friends now and she's come up and visit. And it's just one of those connections that you just, it's never ending. Mm-hmm. So a lot of kids and a lot of teens and adults in this community had that connection with Melinda. So everyone absolutely loved her. No one had anything bad to say about her. She had three kids. Her and Bruce had three different kids. They had Anna, who was the oldest in 2017 when all of this went down. She was 20 years old. There was Megan, who was 19, and there's Kyle, who's 18, and it, Damn, it has one right after the other. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. Little Irish triplets. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> they really were one right after the other. So um, Kyle, who was 18 years old at this time when this happened, um, it's worth noting because it is crucial to the case. He was diagnosed with Down syndrome. Okay. And he is nonverbal. Okay. So on top of her being a teacher, being a soccer coach, being a mom, being a wife, she was full-time caretaker mom for Kyle. There was no separating the two either. Right. So Kyle, absolutely, that was his person. Mom. That was his person. Yeah. So Anna who was her oldest daughter, had a boyfriend since high school, Jeff Skolan. They met in high school, and they, you know, started hanging out. Soon after they started hanging out in about 2016, or 2015-16, Anna was pregnant. Oh, wow. Okay? So she was about 18 Mm -hmm. when she fell pregnant. I don't know how you fall pregnant. (laughs) You fall on something and you get pregnant. <laughs> you fall on something and you get pregnant. Um, so <laughs> she fell on Jeff and was pregnant. Yep. <laughs> so obviously a young couple, and he didn't even graduate from high school. And I think this was because he was going to try and, you know, start making money so that, sure. you know, the baby's coming yeah. and whatnot. Young couple. Bruce and Melinda, in order to help out her daughter and future granddaughter and both Jeff, who was going to be their future son-in-law, decided to ask them or let them move into their basement apartment. Okay. This is so they could start scrolling away money and so they can put money away for an upcoming wedding. They had set the wedding date for October 28th, 2017. Okay. So they started living there, and now it's been about a year and a half, almost two years since they've moved in, and they were preparing for a granddaughter to come, and now the granddaughter's about two years old. They named their daughter Aurora. Oh, so cute. Love that name. Sleeping Beauty. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I think of, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so granddaughter comes in. I mean, you have this brand new baby, injects life into everyone. Yeah. How could it not? Totally. So beautiful little baby. Um, Everyone says that Jeff does adore his daughter. So as the wedding is getting closer, Melinda, I mean, of course, loves her daughter. So she offered to help her with the coordination that goes into a wedding, Mm -hmm. which there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into a wedding. so much more than you think. Everything. Like napkins. Is there enough bathrooms? Is there enough toilet paper for the bathrooms? Uh-huh. So, you know, with all that chaos that happens with planning a wedding, Melinda was like, I'm going to help my daughter and I'm going to help you plan it. Now, for the wedding and the planning, Jeff, the soon-to-be son-in-law, was asked to take care of two different things. That's it. Other than being there, I'm sure. Right. Other than showing <laughs> up. His two tasks for the wedding were to secure the venue... Okay. Pay for the venue. Yeah. And send out the invitations for your side of the family. Okay. Pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, two things. Yeah. Dude, two things. Ask your mom for help. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can, right? you can pawn off you can one figure of those this tasks, in, Yeah, you sure. can figure it out. And on the day of October 23rd, 2017, just five days before the actual wedding, what happens is that Bruce, he's at work, normal day at work, and he gets a text from his wife, Melinda, mm-hmm. saying, meet me at Brew Kettle. That's it. Meet me at Brew Kettle. Local restaurant. They were going to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And as he got off of work, he went to the Brew Kettle. He couldn't get a hold of Melinda. Mm-hmm. Melinda's not showing up. Mind you, of course, he's waiting for Melinda and Kyle. Because anywhere that Melinda goes, their son Kyle goes to. Sure. So he's waiting for them. No one's answering. He doesn't even order food. He decides, all right, screw it. I'm going to head to the gym then, like I was planning on doing. Yeah. And then he gets a call from his daughter, Anna, and from Jeff saying, hey, we're meeting at Applebee's instead. Oh. So meet us at Applebee's. Okay. Anna is a server at Applebee's. Okay. So probably a discount, and Mm -hmm. she was on the job, so she would be with them in a way. Right. Not necessarily sit down and eat with them, but could, you know. Easier if you come to me. Exactly. Yeah. So they decide. So he decided. Okay, great. So he didn't even make it to the gym. He went. He's like, oh man, all this tossing around. I guess I'm going to Applebee's now. So he goes up to Applebee's, and Jeff is there with the daughter Aurora, and his daughter's there working. And mm-hmm. they try, and everyone tries to get a hold of Melinda. Melinda's not answering her phone. They decide they ordered some food, but about an hour goes by at this point. And he's like, okay, well, she's not answering calls, texts. I'm heading home. Yeah. After they left Applebee's, Jeff, and this is, um, they have separate cars. Okay. And I'll come back to this to try and make sense of it. Sure. They go home. Prior to this date, there had been multiple calls made to 911 from within the house about possible break-ins into the oh. house and some robberies or things that had gone missing. So just the night before, so on October 22nd, 2017, uh-huh. Jeff had actually made a call to 911 saying that he caught someone trying to bring it break into the sliding glass door in the back patio. Okay. He said that the door kind of rattled. They have two dogs in the house, Joey and Moose. Oh, Moose. Yeah. <laughs> now we've done cases that cover both our dogs. Yay, name. okay. And he said that when the dogs want to come in, they jump on the door. So if you have dogs, you know that yeah. rattle, yeah. right? It doesn't It doesn't sound like it's going to break the door or anything, but no. you, f- you can hear it being pushed on. Yeah. So he said it was something like that. And because of everything strange that had been going on in the house, he had actually placed a wiffle bat in the other side of the sliding door so it wouldn't be opened. Sure. And that someone got the door open about three inches by the time he got to it and had slipped in a hand, like, trying to reach for a lock. Gotcha. But he scared them away. Uh-huh. So in the 911 call for that situation, he said he saw, like, a white male, about 661, walking away with a Hollister sweatshirt on. Okay. Kind of specific, kind of not. Very sure. generic. Just yeah. walking away from the house. You didn't see a face. You didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Before that, and this torment to the house of possible break-ins, and Anna had also heard someone like jingling the doorknobs on the house, like mm-hmm. trying to see if it was open or not, has been going on for about 10 months now. Oh, my gosh. Like, sporadically, things are happening in the house where it seems like they're being targeted for something. Oh, that's so scary. And at that point, almost every time that the police is called, it's always been Jeff that he'll call and he'll make the call. And sometimes it's um, Melinda, too. One of those times, one of the things that were stolen were her car keys. Mm. So while the keys were stolen, the car was still in her driveway. And they had another set of keys eventually. I don't know if they made it. I don't know that detail. If they had an extra set on hand or if they had to make a new set of keys. Mm -hmm. But 
whoever had the keys would set off the panic alarm on the car oh. at like 4.30 in the morning, random nights, and would do the remote start on the car. Oh, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Just terrorizing this family, yeah, just being a nuisance totally. of nothing else. So Melinda took to Facebook to post some of these things, and she said, let me see. So the first one says, um, so much for sleeping in. Whoever still has my stolen car keys was playing with the remote at 4.30 in the morning and kept starting the van at 7. Another call to Strongsville PD. Oh, my God. Leave us alone. In a different post, she said, getting on a first-name basis with Strongsville PD. Someone please tell the people trying to break into my house that I have no valuables. And then I believe this is a comment maybe under her initial post, but it Mm -hmm. says set off the car alarm with stolen remote again last night and found nails in Bruce's tires. So they were away for the weekend. When they came back, there were two nails side by side in Bruce's tires. Uh So just kind of nuisance type of things. Yeah. Just being a fucking pest. Yeah. And in... All the things that I could find that were stolen from the house, it included really petty shit, like one and five dollar bills. <laughs> it included a set of house keys. That one's scary. That's very scary. Um, and there was also a laptop that was stolen, I think. Okay, so that's a uh, that's big ticket It's getting item. bigger. It's getting bigger. Yeah. So they, so with the house keys being stolen... They did have a code to get into the garage or like through the garage into the house. Mm-hmm. When they were at Applebee's, Jeff had told both Anna and Bruce that he couldn't get into the house earlier because the code wasn't working or just something wasn't working with the mechanism. So Anna gave him her spare keys for the house locks. Okay. For the front door type of thing. Right. So they both pull up to the house different cars jeff has a pickup truck i don't know what bruce drives and jeff goes up to the front door supposedly puts in one of the keys and i think there's a deadbolt and a regular lock on the door and only the lock unlocked and they see that melinda's car is in the driveway oh melinda's car is in the driveway the lights are on in the house Uh uh-huh so something's off because she's not answering her phone call. But at the same time, there's no panic yet because Bruce is thinking she might have gotten busy with something. She sure. had a doctor's appointment earlier in the day. Right. And from there, Jeff is knocking on the door for either Melinda or Kyle to mm-hmm. open the door. And then also rings the doorbell like five times fast. Right. And... Bruce at that point was like, what's, what's the hurry? Like, they'll knock once kind of thing. Right. Kyle comes and unbolts the door. Bolts it? Unbolts it. Oh, unbolts it. To let them in. Uh Uh-huh. Again, he's nonverbal. Right. But he's not looking like everything's okay. Sure. So he looks kind of... Panicked? Not panicked, but kind of just like... In shock. Yeah. Like, quieter than normal. Uh Uh-huh. Kind of solemn. Just something was wrong. Dad knew something was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because it's dad. You know your son's body language. Exactly. Yeah. He walks in. There's no response from Melinda. And then as Bruce is walking through the house, he finds Melinda on the kitchen floor in a pool of blood. Oh, jeez. At that point, Jeff grabs Kyle out of the house, Uh grabs his daughter, and they go out to the driveway. He said he grabs Kyle so Kyle doesn't see his mom. Uh Uh-huh. Because try explaining that to Kyle right now, it's not going to work. No. And so he calls 911. There's a 911 call from Jeff saying someone's been attacked in the house, that they just got home, that he doesn't know exactly what happened, but there's someone that's been attacked in the house. It's Melinda. He says, it's my fiance's uh, mother, so it's mm-hmm. my future mother-in-law. And then at the same time, or within the same you know minute or so, Bruce finds his phone, gets on the phone with 911. He already knows that 
someone is on the way to help. Right. Because he knows that Jeff is on the phone. And this guy kind of starts going off on police. Okay. And I think it's better we hear it. Okay. Okay. Tell me what you think. <laughs> um, I mean, he's he's just like pointing the finger at the police for them having not yeah. done anything about, which I can totally understand why he would be. I don't know if that's the time upset, to do it though. But I, yeah, it's definitely not the time. I don't think that's the time to, to do, do it. it. I would be more focused on. Uh, providing my significant other with CPR yeah. if that's what the dispatcher was asking me to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and he brought up something that I forgot to mention. So because of everything that's been going on in the house, they put up security cameras around oh, their house. Okay. And, of course, they don't know who, but someone smashed him down. Someone broke him oh. after they'd been put up. So... Whoever had been, like, watching the house, casing the house, Uh or what have you, knew that they had put up cameras and deliberately took them down. I would be scared. Right. And I think that's where he's coming from. Right. He's like, hey, something's been brewing. We've asked you for help and for support on this, and we've got nothing, and Mm -hmm. look what the hell it came to. Sure. Kind of. Kara was listening to some of this with me, and she's like... Did he do it? Because <laughs> he sounds pretty calm for someone whose wife was dead. Yeah. Paramedics got there. You know, they were there within minutes. Like he said, he had gotten there just three minutes before. And in the background, you can already hear sirens mm-hmm. that are approaching. So they got there very, very quickly. She was face down, like I said, in a pool of blood. She had been shot three times in the back. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Shot three times. And stabbed 35 times. Oh, my gosh. That's excessive. Yeah. All of it. After being shot three times. All of it. Every single Before piece of after. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever. 
Whichever came first. Yeah. Yeah. Shot three times and stabbed 35 times. Very, very much like a passionate crime. Yes. More than anything. Yes. So, from there. So, at this point... You know, they they think it's whoever has been breaking in and or trying to break in, stealing sure. shit from their house. They feel violated at this point. Bruce is, of course, I think like in any situation, the first person they call down to interrogate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the husband. Yeah. Everyone thinks the husband did it. Yeah. Bruce didn't do it. Bruce went in and he started his interrogation. And this is one of the most fascinating, genuine interrogations I've watched in a while. Mm -hmm. Because it shows how different people can react in these situations. Yeah. Because like the 911 call, he seems very aggressive. Yeah. And in hindsight, I I think that's fair. I think it is too. Especially when it's been so many different events... That have been escalating. Right. Up until this. Up until, yeah. Terrible, terrible end of this. Right. So, while he's sitting in the interrogation room, Bruce starts to put some fucking pieces together. Mm-hmm. He's having revelations literally in front of the cops, and he's putting two and two together as he's talking to them. So the reason that they were going to go out to dinner that night was to talk final details, wedding. Yeah. And then also Jeff's parents were supposed to have been there as well. Oh, okay. So because he was in charge of those two things, the venue and the wedding invitations. Right. It was supposed to be that he paid for the venue and sent out the, sorry, and sent out the invitations. Something happened a couple of months before where Jeff lost his job. He got laid off. Okay. His family, he said, had deep pockets, Mm. but they might not have. Mm -hmm. They did have some rental properties, but I don't think it was like a lavish life type of situation. He always told Bruce and Melinda that his dad didn't care for Melinda and that's why they weren't they didn't come around for holidays and didn't want to hang out and weren't like all about the wedding and uh-huh. all these things so he's saying that his parents was to, were supposed to be at this dinner as well because since he lost his job the venue that they had, were looking at again this is 5 days before the wedding right had tried running his credit card at his command, a total of different uh, 19 times, and it did not go through. On the day that they had called Melinda to let her know that the venue wasn't booked, mm-hmm. he so he ha- Jeff happened to have been in a small car accident. So when Melinda called him to confront him about, hey, what's going on with this venue? Right. He was in the hospital being looked at, I think, a lot of car accidents. That's just procedure. Sure. So it wasn't anything major. Right. He calls it a fender bender. So I don't even know why he ended up in the hospital. Yeah. But Melinda just paid for the venue. $6,500. Because she doesn't want the venue to not be available. They have everything else planned. Exactly. You put so much effort. Time, money. Yeah. You have probably people coming in out of state, uh-huh. out of town for a wedding, and you don't have a place to have it. Exactly. So she forked over the $6,500 because uh-huh. since he was in the hospital, like, there's no time to talk about this. You're dealing with a whole other thing. We'll talk about it later, type right. of situation. Yeah. And Jeff had told Bruce and Melinda that his mom was going to gift him the $6,500 mm. and settle up with Melinda mm-hmm. for the money that she had put up for the venue. Right. And that's what this Applebee's dinner was supposed to be. Right. And that's what it was supposed to be about. Okay. So, well, that's what he's saying. Right. That never happened. Come to find out, his mom never even knew about a possible dinner at Applebee's. 
She had no idea about the venue. No invitations had gone out to his side of the family. Oh, my gosh. His dad never, ever said anything about not liking her family or not liking Melinda specifically. Uh Because, again, who doesn't like Melinda in this town? Yeah, she's... So, right. The angel Exactly. She's a soccer angel. Yeah. And... At that point, though, other than that not lining up, Jeff gets Jeff and Bruce, they get interviewed and they both get sent home. Mm -hmm. And they do take Jeff's car into evidence collection. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) They take everyone's car in. Jeff is absolutely for it. Go look at my car. I'll move some stuff around so you can move around in it and you can look at it. I don't know why he did that. Because they found the bloody knife in his car. Oh, my gosh. I had a feeling it was going to be him. Yeah. They found a pair of bloody sweatpants in his car and blood inside the door. So it was very fucking obvious at this point, within days, that he was the one who had taken out this murder, gruesome murder, on Melinda. Wow. Now, why? Yeah. Always the why. Uh-huh. We want to know why. I don't know if we'll get there. So here's the cockamamie story that he gave. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, mind you, this is after hours, hours of him playing stupid. Uh-huh. And when she got laid to rest on October 28th, which was supposed to be her wedding daughter's day. wedding day, yep. he served as a pallbearer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this, that was just like another jab yes. at this family, knowing knowing now what they know. Yeah. You can't undo what already happened. No. But to have the gall to do something like that, yeah, that's, that's just bold. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And bullshit. <laughs> and bullshit. Yeah. So what he is saying happened is that Melinda came downstairs to their basement apartment or room sometime during the middle of the day and they that she found a gun that he had in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and was talking about how like she didn't want that in the house because of the baby and whatnot and that she also saw a paternity test that he had taken for the baby because he had in the past discussed the possibility of that baby not being his, of Aurora not being his kid. Oh. Accused Anna of cheating on Uh him. And although the paternity test did confirm he is the father, Uh that there was still an argument that ensued from that. Okay. That they went upstairs, that Melinda still had the gun, and he said that she pointed the gun towards him. But then later said it was towards his feet, that he grabbed it, and it accidentally went off. Three times. (laughs) And then didn't confess to any of the stabbings. Right. So he had confessed to the shooting. And then, like, what? Someone came in and stabbed her 35 times? That's not possible. No, it's not. Not plausible, even. Right. So, after six more hours of interrogation with this guy, it was pulling teeth. It was pulling teeth with this guy. Um, He finally confessed, half-assed confessed still Mm -hmm. to the stabbing. But that's all the motive that he's saying happened. Kind of half-assed self-defense thing. Right. And, I mean, there's just no... I, I don't know. We don't know what happened exactly in that house um, leading up to that. You know, some close family friends say maybe she found, Melinda found out something that would have stopped the wedding. Mm-hmm. But man, you did it five days before your wedding, knowing the venue was paid, knowing people are coming in. Right. And now people that are coming into town for that special day had to go to her funeral. That's that's so unbelievable, and 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 then I'm just thinking like, were you worried about paying that sixty five hundred dollars back? Like, I know when you're that young, sixty five hundred dollars maybe seems like a lot of money, but like, I mean, she probably would have let you work it off. Exactly. 
do something around the house. But that's another thing. Apparently, Bruce said that he was a fucking lazy, good-for-nothing guy around the house, too. Sure. And when he was asked and probed more about, like, you know, what's the living situation like, he would said that, you know, there was always tiffs because... Melinda would be like, hey, are you going to take your laundry in? Or, you know, things like that around the house. Things you ask someone that you're cohabiting with. Right. And I think those little things for him being so young Uh maybe felt bigger. Uh Uh-huh. I I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but... um, He didn't like being nagged. Exactly. To do things that he should have been doing. Yeah. And mind you, he had his HVAC uh, certificate. So he had, I think, the credentials to get up and go do some good work and get paid good money. Mm-hmm. So $6,500 shouldn't have been, isn't a good enough motive to so brutally kill someone. No. And then the fact that he went through such extent... Like, such an extent to try and cover it up, to be like, I'm going to Applebee's. Yeah. And, well, he said uh, for his alibi, too, that he was at his aunt's house raking leaves for her because she has a lot of leaves. And the timeline didn't match up. He was off by, like, two and a half hours Mm -hmm. on when he said, when they checked with the aunt, she's like, no, Mm -hmm. he wasn't here till much later. Right. Um, so he was trying to build an alibi for himself, right. but he's an idiot, and that didn't work. And I say he's an idiot because he handed over willy-nilly the truck to the cops, too. Yeah. Exactly. And then was surprised when they told them, when they told him, we have the murder weapon. One of the two, because then he eventually confessed and led them to where he had disposed of the gun as well. Oh, okay. So he... He's not a smart person. No. He can do your heating and cooling, but he's not a right. smart person. <laughs> I mean... I, he doesn't have a little... He doesn't have any savvy. No. He was actually arrested on October 31st. So, days. Yeah. Days after uh-huh. this all happened, like, within a week, within three days of the funeral, he was arrested quickly on yeah. this. He was charged with aggravated murder... Uh, false claims to the police and tampering with evidence. Uh, he did plead guilty. Okay. And he said that he pled guilty because he said he didn't want to put the family through the whole trial and didn't want everyone's dirty laundry to come out, which I don't know what that means or yeah. what he was trying to insinuate, but sir, you are the dirty laundry. Yeah. <laughs> You're what no one wants to talk about. And you have dirty laundry because you haven't done it. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) The judge was given 51 different handwritten impact statements. Oh, wow. On Melinda. Different members. From all the people in her life. Chills. All the people in her life. Students, coworkers, people that she had mentored, people that she had coached, people that she had just, you know, Mm -hmm. church community members. 51 different impact statements. The judge reads out some quotes on, you know, things that they thought of her and how crucial and a great part of the community she was. Ultimately, he received the sentence of life. With the possibility of parole after 33 years. Okay. It's... Technically after 30 years, but after those 30 years come where he could be eligible for parole, he has to serve the three years for false claims after that. So consecutively. Right. Um, And so obviously, I mean, I hope it goes without saying, but so he was the one that for 10 plus months was tormenting the family, was terrorizing them. With, I don't know what intent, other than just to be an asshole, did he have nothing better to do? He was making these false claims, the 911 calls. Right. Um, and so, obviously, presumably, he's the one that broke the cameras as well. Uh-huh. And, you know, from the basement, he's the one clicking the button, making the panic button go off on the car. Right. And starting it remote start. Right. He's just being an asshole. And if that was his, if that was his ultimate plan all along, and if he was trying to build this fake 
suspect. Yeah. Like, that is a long... That's a long game. Premeditated... Yeah. Murder. Yeah. He played the long game on this. And then he really thought he had gotten away with it. Because, I mean, he called 911 himself, too. Mm -hmm. And he is playing victim. Oh, yeah. He is playing, oh, shit, we just walked into a horrible scene. And it's funny because he slips up... I mean, the detectives were already on to him while they're doing the interrogation, the second interrogation. And he slips up because just like in your last case where the guy is trying to justify what they're going to find. Right. He was talking about how he had just handled his dad's gun who had shot the gun recently. So there might be gunshot residue on the gun, which would have transferred to him. (laughs) So he's playing this, like, I'm going to try and get ahead of this thing. Sure. But he fucked up because they hadn't announced or told anyone there were shots. Oh. So they fucked up. Yeah. Because then he's backtracking hard. He's like, well, you know, I'm telling you this, but, you know, uh, you know how she died? I'm like, no shit, idiot, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, he jumped the gun. It's funny. No pun intended. Huh. Yeah, all of the puns. Pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> so Kyle breaks my heart because he's That's nonverbal. who I've been thinking of the whole time. He was in the house. Mm-hmm. He had to have seen what happened. He was in the house for a minimum of an hour and a half with his mom in the kitchen oh like that. Oh, my God. That is so sad. And he couldn't, he's nonverbal. Right. He couldn't do anything. And after the funeral, all the family to support each other. And again, at this time, Jeff was still not arrested yet. Right. They all, because everyone is in from out of town for the fucking wedding. Exactly. They had a camp out in the living room because no one could go off to their rooms and mm-hmm. sleep. Everyone just stayed up sharing stories about Melinda. Mm-hmm. And Kyle stared out the window, waiting for his mom to come home. Oh, my gosh. Give me a box of Kleenex. That's so sad. So sad. Because he could not understand, does not understand what happened to his mom. Right. And he... do, Do we think he saw the whole thing? He had to have. He had to have. He had to have. Even if he didn't see it happening, he would have seen the aftermath. Exactly. He was the only other person in the house. Mind you, the daughter Aurora, her granddaughter, Uh his daughter, had to have been in the house too when this happened. Exactly. He took her out afterwards. But when this happened... She was there. She was there. Yeah, because mom was at work. Right. Grandpa wasn't home. Yeah. Do you think that, so do we think that Melinda really had sent the text about the first restaurant? Oh, sorry. No. So, Bruce, those are some of the things that he's trying to piece together when he's in the interrogation room. Um, He's saying, you know, now he says this so many times, like, oh, shit, in hindsight. And now, you know, looking at it back now, he said, a text coming from my wife, Melinda, saying, meet me at the brew kettle, is not how she talks to me. Mm -hmm. The conversation of a dinner would have been more like, hey, what are we doing tonight? Right. Are we going out? Are we cooking at home? What do you feel like? Right. That, I mean, that's how our conversations are every night. Yeah, exactly. It's not meet me here. So he thinks when he got that, that text message at 425 p.m. saying to meet him at the brew kettle, was not Melinda. No. At that point, would not have been Melinda. Right. And that the whole ruse of go to the brew kettle, go here, and then also after, and I, and I said I'd come back to this, so after Applebee's, as soon as they got out of there, mind you, it's just Jeff, Aurora, the baby, mm-hmm. and Bruce. They have their separate cars, but Jeff said something about being low on gas, so he had some gas tanks with him. And 
he had to, before they left Applebee's, he had to, like, refuel the truck. Uh-huh. Which is odd. Yeah. So, while he's sitting in the interrogation room, Bruce is like, oh, shit. He was just buying time. Yeah. This was all a smokescreen. He was totally. just buying time. Yeah. And then he also had a different revelation. He because they, the detectives are asking him. Okay, so Anna gave him the house keys to get in. So he tried the door. Why didn't he try the deadlock? And because uh, Bruce is saying, you know, he knocked on the door and then he's ring, 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 ring on the doorbell, like quick succession, like just fire, right. quick fire at the ring bell, the ring bell, the <laughs> doorbell. <laughs> Um, and he's like, oh, shit, now looking back at it, I'm like, what was the rush? Right. Why Why so panicky right now? Right. We haven't walked in. We didn't know anything at this point. Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, everything that Jeff had been doing, Bruce is like, oh, that's not looking good. Right. That's not looking good for him. And he said something about they had... Different conversations through text messages that just didn't sit right with him. There are little things that now in hindsight, Bruce really didn't like, already didn't like it. Um, And I think that might have come more from a protective father, you know, son-in-law lives at home. He's kind of bumming. Sure. And he was kind of rude to Bruce and Melinda at times. Um, and very blunt and straightforward with that. It was mm-hmm. weird, but he's like, I erased some of the text messages because they were like inappropriate at times. And so I just deleted them because we were just like, we were at the point where we're like, all right, just ignore him. He's just sure. fucking weird. Yeah. But in hindsight, Bruce is like, now I see it. He's the one that saw the person trying to break in every time. Uh huh. And he's the one that made the 911 calls because he wanted to keep. The information under his control exactly. the entire time. Yep. So. Yeah. Wow, that's oh. Kyle that's so... breaks my fucking heart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that just sits so close to home because yeah. for those listeners that don't know this part of my life, I have a brother that's special needs, and my mom is totally Melinda. Yeah. To my brother, and oh my gosh, if my brother was ever had to be I, I can't even think about it no i cannot even think about that yeah yeah no what broke a my sick heart fuck. yeah in the house and i hate to think that Kyle had to have seen that heard it at the very least heard gunshots it at the very least yep and on top of that i mean he was obviously i would imagine petrified oh i'm sure and like, even if he was in a different room and heard right. the gunshots, that would be alarming. To Let's someone. say he's in his room and he's calling out for his mom, and it's been an hour, and usually mom comes in after a few minutes, mm-hmm. and now mom's not even responding. Right. You know. Yeah. And like the dad said, it, when Kyle opened the door for them, he looked different. Right. He looked different. Now he wasn't covered in blood or had any blood on him sure um but that doesn't mean he didn't see her right and because of you know how his brain works he could have not wanted to approach something that didn't look safe or unknown to him exactly so oh man that's that's a good case but that's sad yeah super super sad yeah i'm surprised uh, no one else covered it as much but it's just it's a wild case like if it was happened to happen from someone that was like a son to her mm-hmm. and it's so disheartening when when we cover these types of cases where it's like dude you had no good reason none there was no, no big catastrophic of or traumatic event that would trigger explain away yeah explain away yeah. a trigger or justify what why one would maybe come to that solution to whatever your problem is and and it's something like and you know the detectives were trying to give him an out like hey what 
happened? Did something escalate? Did something get out of hand? Sure. Did an argument get out of hand? What happened? Right. And even if he were to say something, that something got out of hand, that they started fighting, that, you know, someone grabbed the knife or what have you, it still doesn't explain 35 stabs and three shots. Yeah, that is wild. That's a lot. A lot. <laughs> That's a lot. I know we say that every time we talk about I, a case it, where we do stabbing, but I mean, God, whether it's, it's five a lot. or thirty-five or a mm-hmm. hundred and something, the time, the effort, the mind frame that you have to be for, with within in for that entire time to carry that to keep out. going. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. My mind cannot wrap around it. If I cut myself. <laughs> fucking yes seriously i know i'm dying you know but it's but honestly i'm like i wouldn't want to sit there and slash my hand another 35 times over and over again it's just weird so Uh, (sighs) good job bring it in the new year yeah that's a good one (laughs) yeah (laughs) weird but yay yay (laughs) yeah that's it. So, That's the awesome. case of Melinda Pleskovich and, you know, the community he destroyed because he took away a solid person from a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, that deserves yeah. that deserves a lot more recognition purely based on the type of person that she yeah. was and yeah. the impact that she had on others. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'll post the rest of the 911 calls just so you can yeah. hear his side of the 911 call too it's just it's eerie knowing now who you know who it is mm-hmm. that he called and was like oh shit we we walked and he did a pretty good job mm-hmm. it's it caught me by surprise too because yeah. i was like oh shit that's who did it i did not know that and sure. i was like not based off of the 911 call if no. anything Based on Bruce's 911 call, I had my suspicions about him. Totally. When Kara first heard him, she first heard his call, Bruce's call, she's like, ooh, he's not mad enough or sad <laughs> enough for his wife dying. Right, right. So it's just, yeah. So that's yeah. it. That's cool. the case. Yay. Yay. <laughs> if you're new here, make sure to go follow us on all the social medias. Uh, or check us out on patreon.com forward slash stranger danger podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll be there. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Be a ranger. Be a ranger. (laughs) We're nerds. We know. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.